Last week, Pat was up here and his Bible fell out, and now mine just fell out. So either we shouldn't carry them on our motorcycles or we're reading them, one or the other. But, uh, we're going to talk about today a topic that has many phrases. Uh, sometimes it's called the fall, the fall of man. It's back when Adam and Eve uh, were tempted and they fell. And one of the things that's very, very important, I think, is that we understand actually what happened, what was man like before that, how did he make decisions, how did God operate through him, and then what happened after Adam and Eve made decisions to act independent of God. I think it's really important because if you understand those two things, you'll now understand what it is that you and I can do to get back to the original design because you and I were designed by God to reflect the image of God. He said we have made man in our image is to reflect that image to people around us. People don't need to see the image of Bill Ewing's flesh because it will not draw anybody to God. But if my body can be a container or a conduit for the life of Christ to flow through me so that when people are around me, they see a unique picture through my own personality, my sense of humor, sick sense of humor, and all the different things, and they're drawn to God. And that's what we would love to have as a, a people here that are covered and allowing God to inhabit you. So we're going to look at what was before uh, the fall. And uh, we have a diagram up here that I'd like you to look at. Uh, I think it's coming. But it basically talks about that God designed them, and he, they have a body, and they have a soul, and they have a spirit. Now, there's controversy here, just so you know. Many theologians have thought that man is just two-part, a dichotomist rather than a trichotomist. Uh, I don't think it's that big a deal other than this. All of these components in here are important. And so uh, I'm not going to get a knockdown, drag down to, to say I think they're three instead of two. Doesn't make that big a deal to me. However, God said, present your body, soul, and spirit alive to Christ. And, and basically, God also says, and I want you, the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It has the ability to make division between soul and spirit. So there's something there. Now, hang with me for a little bit here. It will get practical. I'm going to get into just a little bit of information. But if you'll look up here, you see a body and a soul and a spirit. In the beginning, man's spirit was united and inhabited by God. God made man to house God, to have not only a relationship with him, inside him, but about him. And man's spirit would bear witness with God's spirit, and they would become one. They were so united, it said there was a union, there was an intercourse between God and man in such a way that man knew God, God knew man. And then what would happen is the soul of man, which was underneath the authority of the spirit, and the soul of man literally is that you and I have feelings. That's, uh, there are emotions. Uh, some days they're worse than others. Some days they're better than others. But you really don't now have a lot of control over them all the time. But also inside you, you had an intellect. And that's the fact that what you guys believe today is made up from your history uh, in your background of what you have determined about life. Uh, and it will change constantly. But this mind was in perfect union with God. And then the will is that part of you and me that chooses to do something. And so I'm going to give you a picture of how this worked 
back with Adam and Eve. They had such a good walk with God. They were to enjoy life. There weren't any kind of all of these rules and laws. They had one thing, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they basically were to carve a path and enjoy life and enjoy God and just pleasure one another and pleasure uh, the universe and, and give pleasure back to God by expressing the fullness of who he was. How they operated was their spirit with God would hear God, would be in perfect communion with God, and God would nudge their spirit, and their spirit would therefore nudge the soul. The soul there, made up of the mind, that means what they believed, would know that this is God, the God of the universe, the God that created the galaxies, the God that laid everything before us and let it be a part of it, this is God, and my emotions are delighted that God has basically included me in something, and then their will would say, okay, let's call the body into action, and the body would then live out whatever it was that God asked them to live out. You see, your body, we put too much in this body. When God made the body, I don't think he planned on man being so consumed with their body and what it looked like and what, what all, everybody thought of it. It was just a vehicle. It was like a car that got you here. You got in your car and you drove up here, or got in somebody's car, and the car was simply a vehicle to get you here. The purpose was to get up to church. It isn't all about the car. Now, some of you think it is with your big trucks and some of the things, but it's, it's not. And so basically, the body is to respond. Now, how that would work in perfect a picture would be Maybe Adam was out walking and he'd see something in the stars in the universe. And remember, at that time, man did not have the fall. So therefore, all the components of his mind, we use 120th of our mind. At that time, man was using 20 20ths of their mind. They were like super creatures. They were amazing. And they would look at the universe and see the display of God's glory and it would burn within their soul a delight and pleasure. And, and, and so what happened is Adam might be looking at something and he and God in such a neat thing, him going into instant praise saying, God, how awesome. I still can't understand the vastness of your glory and the way you laid the galaxy out there. And, and God might move in his heart, go share this with your wife, Eve. And so his intellect and his emotions would tell his will, his will would command his body to walk, and his body would walk over and say, Eve, look at the gorgeous beauty of this sunset today, and he'd go on, but also stirred within him would say, but Eve, it doesn't even compare to your beauty. You're beyond this. And he would bless Eve, and, and that's kind of how it would work. And this is how man lived life. And they were to multiply and, and be image bearers. Their children would begin to do this. They would therefore tell their children the things that God had told them. And then something happened. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, Genesis 3, 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we can eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it, nor touch it, or you will die. And the serpent said to the woman, You're surely not going to die. 
For God knows that in the day that you eat from the, the, and your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was delight to her eyes that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from the fruit and she ate it. She gave it to her husband with him and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig trees or fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now, we're not going to go into what the tree was. It's not an apple. Uh, although sometimes I look at my computer and I'm at the bite out of it. I'm not sure, you know, with computers. But uh, it was basically this. Man at one point had decided, and this would be the literal translation, is Adam and Eve, I have made you to be dependent upon me your whole life. And if you're dependent upon me and you let me inhabit your life, then life will be lived as it was intended to be. But if you decide in your own choice, and I'll give you a choice in this, Adam and Eve, I will not go ahead and force you, that you can be man apart from God, and you choose to separate yourself from me and become as God, you will instantly die. Now that word die, as we'll see in a minute, was not the physical body falling over. That came so many years later. The word there literally means that you will lose life. You will lose me. You will lose the union we have. The picture up here, the second one, shows you what happened when they decided that they could go ahead and do that. The Holy Spirit, which was God in spirit, departed from man, and man was now left without the Holy Spirit, without the things of God. He could not sense the things of God, and therefore he was left as his own God. And as his own God, he became independent. And becoming independent, he became as God, and therefore he had to control things, because gods do that. They control things. And in being in control, he felt responsible for things. First of all, he felt responsible for himself. Then he felt responsible for his wife. We do the same thing. We feel responsible for our kids. We feel responsible for our workers. We feel responsible for the bloody whole world half the time because we've made ourselves gods. And now what happens is we have a real, real upside-down version of what takes place. We're going to look at some scripture in a minute, but I want you to go ahead and see now what happens with the Holy Spirit gone. Now, rather than having the union and God's voice and God whispering into your ear what he would have you and him do, without God, man is meant to his own devices. It says he has become his own God, and now he's, he's making decisions based within himself, and it starts within his emotions, his emotions and his intellect now will start to be the boss of his life. They will tell his will what to do. His will will command his body, and his body will respond to the will. See, my body doesn't just sit up here and do things like this. Okay? It has to, I have to tell it to lift its arm. I have to tell it what to do. So now, here is an example of what happened to man, and we're going to see in a minute the consequences, and I want you to understand the consequences aren't for condemnation. 
They're just to understand what it was like at the fall and what happened to mankind so we can know how not to go there. We'll use an example with uh, my wife and I. Let's say that I get up and I'm getting ready to do something and my wife hurts me, she offends me, or she says something uh, to me that I don't like. And it might be something I need to hear. It might be something that is very important that I need to hear. But my emotions start to react. They kind of bubble up. And the Bible says that when you're hurt, the righteous man, he gets angry. There's nothing wrong with bubbling up and getting a little bit upset. But the thing that happens is they said the righteous man has learned how to contain it. The one that's not righteous doesn't know how to contain it. So what the person that bubbles up does is they begin to retaliate. They tell their emotions. Their emotions are telling them, you are hurt. You are really hurt. They shouldn't say that, and you shouldn't let them get away with it. So the will says, yell back at them, cut them down, insult them back, win this argument, and so that's what you begin to do. So the body then responds to that. Does that make sense? Now, my flesh pattern is one that doesn't, I don't have a temper. I used to have a horrible temper. Uh, and uh, I don't think anybody here grew up with me, but I was bad. I, was, I had a horrible temper. When I came to faith, it's like my temper left. I was deceived to think that my anger left. I just turned it into something different. It just looked better. And that was this. Here's that story for me in my flesh pattern acting without God. Get hurt by Nancy, boil up inside, emotions say, that hurts, you need to retaliate, so cross your arms and turn your back to her and walk away. Just be quiet, pull away from her, get distant from her. We used to call it, we'd give each other the butt, just, that's it. <laughs> now my body was under the authority of my will. My body could not turn around and say, I'm going this way. It just went the way I told it to. You see, the danger of all of this is that when this all happened, there was something that was different in man. Man now, according to the, the French, I love the French version of the Bible of this, he says at this point, man became animal man. He was no longer a faith man, he was an animal man. Why? Because he now had what animals have, only a soul and only a body. By the way, animals have souls, just to set it clear. Those of you that do not believe me, if a soul, well, I'm saying anyway, is a soul has within it the components of the emotions and also the thinking, ability to think, and the ability to act, I want you to go out today, I want you to find this little teeny a uh, yellow and black bug called a bee, and I want you to get in there and stand underneath and just stir its nest. And I promise you that bee will have emotions. And the emotions will also trigger the intellect, and the intellect will not just randomly go and, and, and poke in the air. It will find the stick, it will follow the stick down to your hand, it will follow it to you, and it will tell its little flying body to sting you and you will see a soul in action. Those of you that left your puppy at home, you'll go home and that puppy will hear your car, recognize your car because of it, it what it knows. It's, it will get excited, the tail will start jiggling and it will you know, bark or get excited. It will activate its will, it will act that way. 
But the problem that happened to man and the difference between man and animal is God put in the heart and in the, the body of an animal, he put a thing called instinct. Instinct is a way of reflecting something else so unique of God. When somebody looks at how a salmon and what happens with the salmon or uh, Nick and Sherry, these guys, they went over to Hawaii and they saw the whales and, and these whales' instinct drove them all the way up to Canada, all the way down to Kona and, and instinct made them do that. They could tell you a lot of the details about that, but it's incredible what happens with an animal. I, I don't know what the deal is about this, but if anybody knows the baseball fields that are on uh, 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 Jamie Johnson Field, twice a year, a hundred vultures, turkey vultures, land on that backstop. Anybody seen that? What in the world is this twice a year? And it's about the same time every year. It's instinct. Here's the problem. Man doesn't have instinct. Man was given a spirit, and the spirit was to help him survive. Man without instinct will self-destruct without that spirit. Let me read you a portion of scripture. In Romans chapter 1, starting verse 19, it says, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their own speculation, in their own minds, and their foolish hearts became darkened. They professed themselves to be wise, and they became fools in the process. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible, loving, holy God for an image in the form of man. Therefore God gave them over in the lusts of their heart to impurity, that their bodies might be dishonored among them, and they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped and served the creature, or themselves, rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. And for this reason God gave them over to degrading passions. For women exchanged the natural function function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the man abandoned the natural function of the man of, of the, for a woman and burned in desire towards one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over then to their depraved mind. To do such things were so improper. Being filled with unrighteousness, then wickedness and greed, full envy, strife, causing gossip and malice and slander to a person's reputation. They became haters of God, arrogant, boastful, disobedient, and without any understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. God holds it right here, and here's the picture he's given. If we let man go and follow the image of man deciding that he can be man apart from God, he will ultimately self-destruct because I have not put within man instinct. And that's what begins to happen. Pretty soon there's almost no reasoning. 
I was uh, visiting, and as a matter of fact, Nick and Sherry and I were visiting yesterday, and Sherry made a comment. Uh, Pastor Greenhood down at the other church in town, I really like this pastor. I think he does a good job of exposing the, the truth as a scripture, and he was talking a little bit about this portion of scripture, and he said a lot of times the, uh, there was a gay person, and they, they came to him and they said, I was born this way. And rather than get in the argument, he says, then you need to be born again. How simple is that? You see, the thing that I want you to see here is that people, we were designed to house God, to act in a way that reflected his image. And when we do not, we do not have instincts, so we basically will self-destruct. Now, there are people that will go this pattern, and they will obviously be self-destructing, but as you're going to hear next week when Pat talks about a PBA, performance-based acceptance, there are other people that decide that they'll just have good-looking flesh. That means what they'll do is they'll pick up their Bibles, they'll go to church, and they'll read all the things of the Bible, but they won't be reading the life of the Bible. They'll simply be reading the words, and what they'll do with those words is they will go ahead and they'll put all kinds of rules down, and they will put them on you. They will judge you because you're not keeping the word. And, that's, and they begin to give a false picture of God. God actually hates this more than the other. He says, I, I despise them because they hold up a form of godliness. They show the world and they say, this is what God's like. And God says, that is not what I'm like. And he says, I'd just soon spit you from my mouth. Sounds pretty like he doesn't like that. This is what religion does. It, it causes self-effort to try to please God. And by the way, all of these addictions and all of these things that people are struggling with, these people, you know how they tell them to stop the addictions? Stop it. That's their solution. Stop doing it. Try harder. God has a different solution that we're going to see. And I like God's solution. Let's go back up to the next screen. What God designed for man is that man would come to a place of bankruptcy knowing that without God he was on a self-destructive uh, path and he could not at all live this life the way it was designed. And basically the laws were given not to have man keep them. The Ten Commandments, by the way, were not so that man would try to keep the Ten Well, that's wrong. The Ten Commandments were not given so that man would keep the Ten Commandments. They were given so that man would attempt to keep the Ten Commandments and fail. And fail and throw up their hands. And Galatians says, now we have shut up every man, every woman, every child. We've shut them up to sin. That man has come to the conclusion they can't live the Christian life. And God says, good, you're the people I'm looking for. And God says, I was designed to live the Christian life. Jesus himself was designed to live it. The only one that lived it, he said, if you will let me inhabit your life and come back into man so that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus would come back into man, that then now you'll be able to have what we had in the beginning. You will have a union with me and no longer written on tablets of stones or on paper, but written on human hearts, you'll know the will of God. And the will of God will now join in harmony once again. And the Spirit will motivate you and your heart will be drawn 
drawn and your heart knows what is good. So when your spouse criticizes you, even though the arms want to fold and even though you want to turn around, the soul saying, turn, turn, the Spirit of God says, no, you are not designed that way. I made you a new creation. I got you born again to a new life that's made after the holiness of God and the righteousness of God. And built in your heart is a desire to love your spouse. So therefore, you can tell your feeler, sorry, feeler, you may not feel good about it, but what I want to do is I want you to choose to reflect my forgiveness to your spouse by letting my forgiveness come through you, flow through you, and in the process of you doing that, we will enjoy, enjoy intimacy together as you do that. Let's go to the car and get in the car. Let's drive down the Safeway or someplace. Let's pick up some flowers and let's bring those flowers back to your spouse and tell her how special she is. Now, by the way, the feeler didn't go. The feeler stayed home like this. The feeler says, I'm not going to do that after she hurt me like that. And you know what? You can say, feeler, you can stay here all you want. I'm going and the body's going with me. And you choose by the Spirit of God within you to get in the car, drive down there. I don't care what I feel like. And I can drive down there and I can reflect the image of God once again as it was in the beginning. And I can go ahead and say, God, you know I can't do this, but you can. And you said all things are possible with you. So you inhabit me. You go ahead and empower me. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I drive down and I pick out flowers. And I come back and I present the flowers to her. And your spouse may say, oh, that's wonderful. You are just the prince among men, which my wife would say. Or she could say, you know I don't like roses. <laughs> and here we go again. And what will happen is you'll have the same thing that Peter said. How many times do I have to keep doing this? Seven times? God says, nah. Over and over and over because my love and my forgiveness is unlimited. It goes on to the expanse of the sky. Are you getting the picture? We needed to see what was, man was designed in the beginning to be like. We need to see what happened to mankind so that mankind can come to the realization that apart from God and apart from instincts, he will self-destruct and he'll destroy everybody he has contact with until ultimately the human race would die. God began way back in Genesis a different plan. He said at that beginning, at that beginning in Genesis chapter 3, even in 1, he says this, I have a plan to put God back into man. And that plan is that you and I would welcome the spirit of the living God to come and inhabit our lives once again and say, God, I have messed my life up. I don't trust me anymore. And I can promise you, I don't trust Bill Ewing or his flesh anymore. At one arrogant time in my life I did and I found out that the more that I lived the longer I lived the more I knew I didn't know until pretty soon my two favorite verses in the Bible by far is Proverbs 30 says I am more stupid than any man my first verse and the second verse is oh Lord God thou knowest that's it I've come to that conclusion anymore. Now, my flesh argues with me, and my flesh likes to get in arguments over theology because I studied a lot, and I can start towards that until I throw up my hands and say, this is so foolish. It profits nothing. God says, you want to know my disciples? It isn't the theologians. 
My disciples are those that are displaying kindness and truth to one another. He said, when the disciples said, man, there's so much doctrinal theology going on. Jesus, who are your true disciples? And he says in John chapter 13, 33, he says, my true disciples are those that have learned how to show love one to another. They love the Lord their God, and they let God inhabit their life. So here's what I'm going to challenge you. If you have never made this decision, if you have never come to a place of bankruptcy of saying, you know what, I can't do this. I read it, I wonder why somebody does it, and I've come to the conclusion that I can't do it. You're in a great place. Just admit it. God, I am bankrupt. I'm on a self-destruct path because I don't have instinct. And I'd ask you, don't pray for instinct. Pray for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Say, God, I don't understand it, but I do know this. Everything I do is in separation from you, and therefore it is called sin. It just means to be acting independent of God. I can be preaching today, sinning up here, just by preaching to you independent of God if I'm doing it in my own strength. And I'm sure I've probably done that at times. I don't intend to be, but a lot of you left and said, man, that was flesh. Well, probably. Because God says, I looked down upon the human race, there wasn't one, not one, that understands completely. He said, be, be cautious of all neighbors, for all neighbors seek their own desire. They'll lie to you, and he goes on in Jeremiah and says, this will happen. So I realize we're like that. However, if you go ahead and you acknowledge that and say, God, I, that is what has happened, but you came, you paid the sacrifice for me, you died on the cross so that I might come to know you in that intimate way and put me back in the original design where you inhabit me and our union together now with God in me, that is what it basically called God in man, that is the word saved. It just means to be made whole again, to put God back into man so man looks, ah, he looks normal again. Can you imagine? Just glance around real quickly. Just look at the people in here. If we had the majority of the people in here just basically saying, I don't have to know all this and try all this, but I can do this. If I go ahead and let God inhabit me and I get sensitive to the words of God and I begin to go ahead and let my body now become an instrument of worship, meaning doing whatever God asks me to do, and not the religious things, but just doing that, we would reflect to a lost world what Christ looks like. He's not confined, he's not confined to look a certain way because he's going to look different through you, Tyler, than he is through me. He's going to look different as you guys go along. You're going to carry a unique picture of Christ that I can't picture. And Jane will do one differently than, than you and me. But people will be drawn. It says, if you will lift him up, all men will be drawn to him. It's beautiful when people see the true picture of Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, I know this is wordy. I know it is so incomplete. You said these things, not all the books in the entire world or universe could hold or write, be written about you. You are so complete. Awesome. So beyond our understanding. But we ask that you would use these simple minds we ask that you would take the words that I shared today and the ones that weren't from you, would you burn them up so that they wouldn't even enter the hearts of these people? And then the words that you gave me that poured through me that were pure and holy, would they penetrate through the souls and into the heart of these people and that this would somehow have an impact? That we would not fall for the deceiver's lie, 
we would realize that we are not inconsistent acting different than we feel, but we're actually being faithful to your word because you've called us as new creations to be filled with your fruits of the Spirit. I'm going to pray, Jesus, that you would pour out your fruit upon these people as they do this. There would be perfect love and perfect peace. It would drive away fear. It would drive away tension within their soul. Joy would splash out of them onto other people. It would be contagious. I even pray that you would burn it into our faces so our faces would have smiles on them instead of frowns and disappointments all the time. I pray, that Father, that we would be patient because you've built us to be patient. It is normal for us to be patient now as new creations. And Lord, you said what delights your heart is kindness. I would just ask that we would be a people that would be kind. Husbands and wives kind to one another. Children and parents kind to one another. Employees kind to one another. Even people we don't know that there would be a sense of kindness. And we're going to then let the results be yours. And we're going to thank you that you're already going to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. On our own, we are just 